More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. Everybody, welcome! Welcome to another Contrarian uh, podcast episode. Um, so, if, if memory serves, this is episode six, but technically episode seven because we split episode five into two parts. I think it counts as seven because it was so long. So, this is episode seven then. Um, so, welcome back, uh, or or you know, welcome first timers. I know we have a lot of new subscribers. We've actually passed a hundred subscribers by by a lot. Yeah, we are um, over our 100 benchmark, and uh, we're well over our 100 benchmark. So uh, thank you for the freshmen who signed up. Yes, yeah, thank um, you. Thank you, freshmen. It was great to meet all of you at the engagement fair. Um, I actually had a lot of fun. There's a lot, there's a lot of interest in the contrarian, which was a, a kind of a happy surprise, to be honest. I, I, I wasn't sure what to expect, but it, it was a great turnout. Um, that was fun, and it was and fairly su- successful. We have a lot um, of writing, a lot more writing in the future. Um, and, and there's been some interest in, in creating uh, other podcasts, which yes. would be really cool as well. So in case there's anyone who really wants to delve into a uh, contrarian podcast, but just does not like ours, now that's okay, because we are in the process of forming at least two new podcasts. Yes. Um, so we'll have more details forthcoming, but uh, get excited for those. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. They seem they seem pretty cool. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very excited, but... Um, I mean, there's there's all that, and then and then I I guess there's also the um, ISI Collegiate Network. In case you missed our fun article and announcement about it, yes. So we have officially joined uh, the Intercollegiate Studies Institute Collegiate Network, which pretty much is a collection of student publications from across the nation. Um, so what that means is we're going to have access to resources and connections to make a whole bunch of new stuff, such as expanding our podcast space, uh, having writing workshops with, drumroll, free coffee, uh, which everyone loves, and anyone who knows me knows I need to prevent my two naps throughout the day. Um, and, oh, and we'll also having a promotion where if you write an article for us for the first time, then you will get a free coffee voucher. So there's For some... a select number of students. We don't have infinite money. <laughs> well, I think, I think we have enough. We, we'll... There's, two, there's 1,700 kids on this campus. Well, first <laughs> come, first serve. You hear yeah. that? There's competition. Yeah, there's so a, a, go, a, go write your article and get your coffee voucher while number, we still have there's it. There's a limited number of coffee vouchers, but, but we do have coffee vouchers. I mean, I think the, the general thing you should understand is just that we have partnered up and we're pretty excited and it's going to be really helpful for us expanding and growing, um, you know, both our audience and, and the amount of contributors we have. Uh, and we're really excited to, to work with them to, to, to expand the contrarian because that's what it's all about, getting more perspectives on here, getting more people engaged. So, but, the phrase but, I just invented is that young people are the future. Um, and that's also true for the contrarian. So uh, I can't believe you came up. You came up with that just now. I just right now, off the top of my head. Wow, Peter. I know, I know. You you always amaze me. Yep. I don't know where I come up with these, but uh, I'll keep turning them out. We can only hope. This podcast depends on it. <laughs> so, um, so just anyway. as the contrarian depends on future writers. Young that's writers. right. You hear that, guys? All you back hear together. that? Um, so so anyway. Um, Welcome, welcome to this this podcast. It's going to be a pretty exciting, uh, exciting episode. Uh, we're going to start off with something I think all Connecticut college students love and can relate to, and that's spanking. Um, if you haven't if you haven't heard, uh, a a district of Missouri has brought back spanking after parents were um, let's were, let's say unsatisfied with the uh, disciplinary actions the school was taking. Um, They were tired of suspensions and they were hoping for other ways uh, uh, of discipline. And this certain district in Missouri 
thought that, well, what better than, than bringing back these giant wooden paddles to, to smack kids in the ass with? Um, and don't, don't worry. Uh, it's not supposed to cause physical harm. Um, it's all about just giving them that nice little, you know, uh, wake up call, um, for discipline. And, uh, and, and basically parent, parents also would have to opt into it. Uh, it's, it's not like, you know, it's not going to be a too, too bad if you don't want your kid to get spanked. We're, we're hitting your kid in school if we don't like them type of deal. Um, but it could be uh, your kid gets hit if you opt into it, that sort of thing. Yes, if so. you if you decide that you are are happy to have teachers wail on your kid, then then, then that that is your I have choice. a place. I have a school district for you in mind. Yeah, uh, me, but one interesting thing is this kid doesn't have to sign on to it it's parents yes so the kids so. have no say and i there's already been a some some stories of some high school kids uh are holding a protest right protest yeah also yeah. an original idea um can't think of the last time high schoolers have protested about there's anything been a, there's really. been a protest i know high schoolers are just so mild-mannered all the time yeah but i guess um, spanking has them yeah. up in arms um one peculiar peculiar thing which uh when ethan first mentioned to me i surprised about I assume this was like this one private school in Missouri. Nah, this is a public school district. Not just a public school, a school district, which will involve dozens of K through 12 schools. It's, it's pretty impressive. Um, one thing that I learned recently actually is that, is that I, I believe there's 19 states where um, there's actually some form of physical discipline for students uh, that is legal. Um, but I'm guessing not for the school district. So the school may not have a law outlining it, but I assume school districts. You're, you're. Not. I'm sure you're right in in many instances. But but I read that there were sixty nine thousand cases of physical discipline uh, in the twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen school year that were allowed or were like. Since I've had like yeah, at my school, I know I had a teacher like through a desk at a kid. So I like, but that wasn't like that was school sanctioned. Actually, I so think I, I think something similar happened in my high school. No way! Wow, how, how awesome is that? I mean, it might have just been a textbook, and I think it was by accident. Or at least that. Or at least that's what they said. You know what I mean? At least that's what they said. Yeah, I, I think it's either a desk or a chair. I forget, and yeah, I don't like. I, I don't think I don't know if there were sixty nine thousand accidental desk throwings. I'm pretty sure uh, those were were you know government sanctioned uh, child beatings. Um, not to not to another <laughs> reason to love the government. Not to phrase it child beatings. Um, but 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 yeah. So respect your teachers, guys. <laughs> Um, but, but, but yeah, so we'll see how this works. Uh, there's, there's been, I, I mean, I can't say I've read up too much on it, but, uh, I, I did read something that seemed to suggest that, uh, physical discipline for children doesn't usually really work that well, uh, that it could cause even more problems down the line. Um, not fewer problems, uh, apparently has a very poor track record for actually being a, a, um, viable option for discipline um but either way missouri um you know you know go missourians i guess uh you know what more than anything i cannot wait for this to be a hot button issue in the uh missouri senate candidate debate you know because oh yeah 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 or on the voters minds i'm sure of um i i'm honestly it probably will be on at least a couple of them on a few and uh well, yeah. I mean, how can it not be? I mean, you don't have to opt in. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for how the partisanship lines up with this. Like, will Republicans take a hard, like, pro-spanking line? Or will it be, like, anti? Like, how does it, like, you know, how the Democrats line up with See, it? I'm curious about, like, how the spanking works. Like, maybe you would have more insight in this. I, I, maybe I should have read this up on this earlier. Is it, like, in front of your peers? That's is true. it, like, is, is it, like, like, a is public it, shaming thing? Is embarrassment is it... a huge factor? Like, is it going to be, like... Like okay, Jimmy. Like, sit down. It's spanking time, and you get spanked. Gather around, kids. Come on. Is watch. it like? Is it like Jimmy stay after class, and then they like lock the door, and the the kids here like faint, like ah, like us. Will the teachers have to wear uh, security cameras, bo- body cameras? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna get body cams on the teachers. Um, uh, I'm not gonna go down that road. <laughs> um, so so anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. So, 
So that so that's what's going on with Missouri. In case you were curious, <laughs> in case you were thinking about taking a drive through Missouri or, or you know settling down there with your family, I would say swing um, by one of your public schools. But I think that opens up more problems. So uh, do not do that. I mean, if I would, if I were a Missouri parent, I don't know if I would sign my kid up, but I would certainly tell them. You know, I could sign you up at any time. <laughs> just, just a reminder. Yeah, like just. I would hope, like I would hope they like see one of their classmates get spanked, and I'd be like, yeah, just thank your lucky strikes that your 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 dad loves you. And I'm not, I'm not up. saying you have to do the dishes tonight, but I'm just saying I have this form right here, and I have yet to make up, make up my mind. Uh, yeah. you know, it's right here. Ah, the pen is so close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's going on in Missouri. Um. Maybe not funny, but <laughs> maybe not not funny. Um, so somewhere then, in between. Somewhere, somewhere in between. Somewhere in between, somewhere between for sure. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, I, I yeah, it, it it is very is it's interesting. Well, if it makes it's you feel any better, I I think it's gonna be some time before that uh, extends the con. You know, I wonder. At least 10 I years. wonder how many parents are going to like sign up for it. I'm that's, curious. That's what I'm curious about. So we'll maybe we'll do like an update. Follow our Twitter. We'll update it on Twitter, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, We'll, we'll we'll do some research into that later on. I wonder if that's something even the schools will like announce, or if it'll be like more private. That's true. That's true. I wonder. Well, hmm, yeah, I do. I wonder like, if they'll come out with the numbers. Like, I I, I feel I like they, they would, would right? but also I feel like a bit be a bit I strange mean, for a um, Missouri public school announcement to be sixty seven percent of their parents do not allow their kids to opt into spank. Like, this is a weird topic. But then, what is a weird topic? Again, but like, I I feel like it, it's something that that would come out, especially like. Especially if the information is requested, that is um, true. and they brought it, the weird which topic which surely themselves. is going to be, yes. right? Um, but I, I think I think that's all for Missouri. I, I can't think of too much to add. Um, do you have Do you have any any notes on on Missouri? Um, you know what? That is any, that is all my takes on any uh, any, any any parenting tips. Um, no, I'm I'm still a ways off. So still that, a ways off. Yeah. yeah, I did a project in middle school where I had to take care of a baby. Oh, I did I okay, um, but I, you know, maybe I got a little angry. Maybe I, maybe the baby started crying. Maybe I was a little tired and stressed and slammed it against the center console of my car um, <laughs> to change it. But let's not. But hey, I would never do that to a real baby though. Probably. <laughs> you know um, not ready. Not ready to be a father. Not ready to be a father. But moving on. Sorry to all those con girls out there. Um. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry guys. Uh, all right. Now, quickly moving off off of this topic, uh, student oh, loan forgiveness. So, Lord. if you borrowed student loans, man, are you into a treat? Unless you paid them off. If you got student loans and paid them off, man, what a sucker you are. Honestly, yeah, you're a dummy. Um. Any anyway. Uh. So so essentially, the idea is Biden is is repaying uh ten thousand dollars worth of student loans for anyone making. Less than $125,000 as uh, a salary. Um, for Pell Grant recipients, you get uh, $20,000. That's off. right. That's right. I can only, you know, I, I, my, my heart is full for all of those uh, recent uh, graduates working at, at Morgan Stanley as an analyst with a $110,000 salary and a bright future ahead of them, getting a, a $10,000 slap on the back. From, from Biden, um, you know, cheers to you. Um, oh, and, and I should note, households, uh, is, it's up to $250,000. Um, if, if you file your taxes as a household uh, and it's to college graduates. Yes, and um, a lot of people are defending it as like a form of wealth redistribution, saying, oh, well, it benefits the lower working classes and uh, it's mainly the high tax, high earning taxpayers who are paying for it. So it's um, it's essentially just a progressive tax, which we already have. So what what's the big deal with it? It's um, well yeah. Go ahead, Pete. First off, it's not really benefiting only the bottom half. In a report the White House put out themselves, ninety five percent of income earners are eligible for it. So pretty much as long as you're not in the five top 5% of income earners, you could be eligible for loan forgiveness if you took out a student loan. So it's, it's Which is much more than just a low, lower working class. It's essentially regressive in a lot of ways. Exactly. Um, well, mainly because a lot of actual low-income workers don't go to college because right. they see the price, the enormous price tags on these colleges, such as <laughs> college, um, and <laughs> realize that 
I can't pay for this. If I take out student loans, then I'll be paying my entire life for this. So they make financial alternatives. Maybe they go to community college or a trade school. Uh, maybe they invest in a new business, which is still expensive, but a bit less than college. Um, will they be getting any money under this? Nope, not at all. Uh, this money is only if you took out a student loan through the government for college. So if you were a uh, electrician who wanted who went to a trade school and took out, uh, who did not take out student loans, um, but paid through that and then invested money to start your own company uh, because you could not afford a college, you will not receive any money to that, but you will actually be paying for other tax or other student loan forgiveness through taxes. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I wanna say a few things because, you know, not to just be so um, homo economicus on this issue. So I know, I know, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that are struggling with mountains of debt, especially uh, student loan debt. Whether or not those people are, are some of the highest earners in our economy, it's no easy place to be under mountains of debt. Uh, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for people that, that, you know, went to college, thought it would be, like, super great, and, and then, you know, failed to turn their undergraduate degree or even, you know, graduate degree into prosperousness uh, into wealth um, and, and are now stuck under debt and, and doing their best and struggling. It is a hard, it, it's a hard position to be in. And it's a position where I think um, a lot of people are probably, a lot of people are probably in. Um, that being said, I, I am, am usually in, in many cases, I'm not a huge redistribution type of person. Um, and in, in the cases that I am, um, I think it, it, it's, different um in in this situation there's very little to address the systemic issues uh that that brought about this debt crisis in this generation um there's not going to be this issue isn't going to be resolved um there's been plenty of people complaining that this isn't enough and that the same amount of debt is going to be there in the next few years and there's people making the same argument saying this won't work there's going to be the same amount of debt just in the next few years. And, and I, I guess I fall into that second camp where, you know, I don't think we can just over and over again forgive all the debt and, and hope that the problem just goes away. We're gonna keep accumulating tons of debt. And if we keep forgiving it, we're probably gonna get more debt even faster because those are our market signals that say, we will forgive debt no matter what, which, which isn't a good thing to, to put across. Um, like I said, I, I have a lot of sympathy for people with student debt. I, I think. A lot of people get duped into going to college when they don't need it or when they shouldn't go. That we have, as a society, in, at least in America, have placed so much emphasis on college where in many cases we should not be telling people to go to college. Um, I know that probably sounds stupid as a person that is going to college, but, you know, they're... they're I have my own issues with college, okay? I, I, I have my issues with college, uh, and, and I... I think we've we've done some we've made some mistakes here along the way that have contributed to this massive amount of debt and people might not like what i'm about to say but guaranteed student loans is not a, like an amazing idea um it's not probably the best idea ever uh beyond that making tuition rates the same for all majors could be another avenue that probably isn't the, you know the greatest we, we should we should probably we honestly it might not be a bad idea to price to to have people apply to majors and um, you know have those tuition prices vary uh, just on the basis that a some majors pay more and it costs more to teach uh, some majors as well um, so so that is certainly part of it I think that would also address potentially um, you know the fact that that um, oh, I lost my train of thought there um, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Oh, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Every, every college talks about how college is a place to find yourself. And I think to a certain extent that's true and that's valuable and that's important. And maybe you don't need to know exactly what you're going into when you go to college. But I, I, I do feel like a lot of people are left holding the bag when like in three years they still don't know what they want to do. And the college is like, you better choose. And then they just have to choose like, and they choose something that 
they kind of like or maybe don't even really like, but they have to choose something. And then they've spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to maybe find themselves and maybe get a career that they're somewhat interested in or, like, get a major that maybe isn't even going to translate into monetary or financial gain. Uh, and, and I think maybe forcing kids to go into college with a little bit more of an idea of what they're going to do uh, wouldn't be a terrible idea. I, I'm a big proponent of gap years. There's plenty of ways to find yourself that isn't college. Uh, college is not education. Formal ed- educational institutions are not the only way to find yourself and to learn. You can get books and, and figure out your, your interest on your own. Not that it's necessarily easy, but and not to make this a whole tangent, but um, I, I think there are ways that this could have been done much, much, much better. And I don't think that just like arbitrary redistribution that is honestly going to basically be a dent in the amount of student debt just because it's accumulating so fast um, and because there's so much of it. Not to mention that it's going to cost a lot in a time when we have really high inflation. Uh, it, it's not this, – this probably – a isn't the time to do it. It's B the wrong way to do it, and it's C giving money to wealthy people. Um, so that's the way I look at it. And well, sorry, sorry to basically just just not let you talk, Pete. But do you want to? No, say no, anything? no. That was a very eloquent rant, um, and it, it was it was needed to be heard. Um, but on that front about inflation, it's it's pretty amusing because this act it's not a bill. It's 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 an executive order, which I'll get into in just a second. Right. I'll hold my tongue for a second. Um, but it costs six hundred billion dollars. Um, now really? I heard three hundred thirty billion. Is it six hundred billion? I heard six hundred billion. Interesting. That that might be after like other things are taken account of. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, could be. Crazy. Yeah, I think that's including the Pell grants. Um, the twenty thousand dollars for those. That's but impressive. Yeah. Wow. Um, but the funny thing, the Inflation Reduction Act, which was just passed. I'm not going to get too much into that because there's a lot to cover in that ground. But Supposedly, let us get into that. (laughs) Supposedly, it uh, will free up three hundred billion dollars. Now, practically, doesn't actually do that. There's a lot of sunset clauses, a lot of gimmick accounting gimmicks. When actually says three hundred billion, but let's let's take out take the White House's word that it saves three hundred billion from the deficit. Well, gone, (laughs) gone, and added another three hundred trillion with this billion. Very sorry, billion with this uh, executive act, which did not involve. Anyone in government besides Biden's order, um, aside from the Department of Education. Um, so you know, you know what? Uh, let's jump right into that. The unconstitutional aspect <laughs> is very prevalent. Um, don't it's take so my true. word for it. Take it from Nancy Pelosi's word. Literally last year, July of last year, uh, she was asked, "Is Biden doing this? Will he do this? How can we get Biden to do this?" She says, "This is not even a discussion. The president does not have the ability to unilaterally cancel debt. Uh, it's not even a discussion." Um, Ethan, well, now it is a discussion, Pete. I think it was. I, I, I find I, I think it is pretty incredible that um, there there are so many uh, Democrats um, that have come out against this this executive act. Uh, um, and I think it has very much to do with the yeah. midterms because uh, if yeah. you're a uh, low-income working, uh, someone working in labor or uh, did not go to college, right. you're probably upset by this. And this is actually demographic that the Dem- Democrats have been struggling with for the past six years. I mean, look at 2016, which shocked right. the nation as Trump won, was because he carried not traditional states of, like, swing states of Virginia or Nevada. No, he won... Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan. Uh, states Republicans have not won in decades, and mainly by getting uh, hardworking uh, independent voters, uh, voters who voted for Obama twice. Um, a lot of these voters, most of these voters did not go to college, and I don't think they're going to be motivated to vote for Biden for re-election or any Democrat in the midterms for this. So it's I, very understandable that a lot of Democrats running um, in very swing uh, districts or states are saying, you know what? I don't agree with this. Um, That's right. Uh, I mean, to, to get back to the to the constitutionality of it yes. a little bit, because I, I think it's important to talk a little bit about um, how this, this came into law, and I'm no constitutional expert, and Peter can help me out with this maybe a little bit, but it, it was based on a uh, provision uh, for the Board of Education that allows them to uh, like ease the burden of, of student loan debt and it was the original provision was meant for soldiers. That's correct, right? The the initial Veterans. provision was actually in response to nine eleven. It was a nine eleven law 
that allowed the president to cancel debt uh, related to either a uh, congressional-approved war, uh, military engagement, or a national emergency. Um, so we'll see. Are any of those are we involved in the war? I think he tried he to make the case for national emergency. He did. You know what? He did. And what was the national emergency? What's the national emergency right now? Are we still in COVID? Is it that, is. Is that what's happening? Is ding, that what's ding, happening? Ding. It is COVID-19. Wow. So, wow, um, wow, wow. You know, as I noted in my article, I think that, uh, you know, I should try using that excuse for my credit card company, right? You should. I you should. Know, I, you you really, really I, should. I, I took, I used Peter? all these payments with the intention of paying it back, Peter, but. Peter, are you struggling with this? Are you okay? Um, Peter, do you need financial help? You know what? Peter, I, I I know some loan sharks. I, I didn't get COVID myself yet somehow, but I honestly, the whole pressure of it, it's, it's stressing me out. I've not been able to go to work. I'm unable to pay my credit card bills, any of my debts because of COVID-19. Instacart um, is not, is not making Instacart, the, is no. not paying the bills. Well, I've, I've been too worried about COVID that I've not been able to do Instacart. Oh God, Peter. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> only Cato interning. <laughs> um, well, well, so, so, so that's all good and well. Um, maybe a little bit of rank punditry on this topic, just for fun. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't even know. Maybe I don't know the exact definition of rank punditry, but I, I, I think this counts. Do you think this is going to, like, actually have the intended effect for Biden in the midterm? I mean, you kind of alluded to this already, but I, I'm kind of skeptical that this is going to do what he was hoping. Obviously, maybe not. Obviously, um, people should know that historically college-age students have had pretty low voter turnout, especially in midterm elections. Um, with this act, Biden is hoping to drive college-age students to the, to the voting booths and, and, and get their vote. Uh, but I think this might piss off a lot of people uh, more than it excites the college students. I'm, I'm not sure if, if this is going to actually work out well. In you know what? I think you're right. And again, going back to the demographic that's been eluding Democrats uh, since 2016, look at the Rust Belt area, Ohio, Pennsylvania, that's right. Michigan, Wisconsin, even Minnesota a bit. Well, like, uh, a lot of working uh, class people who did not go to college there, I don't think they're going to be too happy. And if you're in favor and very happy that uh, Biden forgave $10,000 student loans, I, I'm willing to bet a lot of those people, most of those people, have debt. No, but we're probably voting, don't planning on voting for Biden or Blue anyway. Right. This doesn't. Well, well, it wasn't about people that were supporting Democrats. It's about getting people to the polls. So I, I, I understand in that regard, it wasn't necessarily people who. So it was more were, uh, drive were, the base. It, was, it wasn't about. It was more drive the base, less switch voters over. But I think this may have had an, an effect that switched voters over from the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people, some independents, may decide to vote Republican that were planning on voting Democrat. Uh, because this bill pissed them off so much. No, I guess what the, uh, Sorry, not bill. Biden and the Democrats are banking on is that the amount of voters they can drive out to the polls will uh, eclipse the number of independents they turn away. Um, personally, I'm doubtful. Either way, it's a very risky play, and it's kind of very much at the margin. Yes, but who does it benefit? Who, who does it benefit? I mean, the Washington <laughs> we, we Post... We talked about this already, the wealthy. Well, no, 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 but like geographically, which demographic? Uh, Washington Post had a study in uh, research that uh, found where there's the highest concentrated amount of student loan debt in the country. Ethan, take a guess about where it is. Anywhere in the country. Anywhere in the country? What is it like? The highest um, concentration, highest average uh, student loan debt. Probably like Duxbury, <laughs> Massachusetts. What, what, what are we? Washington, D.C. Is it really Washington, D.C.? Yeah, no so kidding. that's compared uh, more than all 50 states. Wow. The highest wow, concentration. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, if you live in Washington, D.C. I thought it paid to be in politics. You know what? Well, actually, not, actually, that's not true. That's why a lot of people start out in politics and get a high-paying job in Wall Street. Uh, yeah. With a lobbyist elsewhere. The, the, the Glenn Youngkin route. Exactly. Um. Actually, well, he did the opposite. He went to, uh, finance right, and then went to finance and then went to politics. Yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah. that's right. Um, but what, what I, so, so I've mentioned this to you off camera, or not off camera, off, off audio, um, do you think this was just kind of like another one of those, you know, whoops, Twitter isn't real life kind of plays where you'd, you'd think that there's a lot of support on it if you went on, you know, looked at my Instagram homepage's Instagram stories and, and saw some of the posts 
uh, some of the infographics on there. Uh, but then as soon as you venture out into the real world with, with adults that don't spend as much time on social media, it, it suddenly becomes very uh, against your interests. I, I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's uh, a problem with the Biden administration being too much online. Um, I think the Biden personally uh, is relying on his advisors, as many presidents have done in the past, uh, to give him information to influence his policy goals. The only problem is Biden's advisors are very, very, very young and... Very online? Very online. More than any president in the past also. And do you know what they also, a lot of them also have? Student loans. Yeah. <laughs> um, that had to play it into it somehow. I mean, if you're surrounded by people saying the same thing over again, of course that's going to influence you. Um, that, that's just... Uh, it, it's in some parts a bubble of the Biden administration. And uh, this has been a problem that's been heckling the Biden administration for the past two years. And, 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 frank, and frankly, might I add, and it is a little bit off topic, but I think it's been a problem with, with Republicans a lot as well. I mean, it seems that both parties are very much in a bubble oh, uh, of their own base. And they don't understand that independents really swing elections quite a bit, uh, uh, especially in, in today's... To borrow from John Goldberg, it seems like both parties are trying to be minority parties. Wow. wow. I know. I know. Another one of my Never, original ideas. Yes. I think you just said that you borrowed that one, Peter. <laughs> That's a little bit of a reversal of, uh, <laughs> of what you're saying. Okay. Um, um, but one more thing on that. But yes, please, uh, please. The argument that uh, people who are in favor of Biden's uh, program, uh, constitutional arguments aside, will argue is, well... This is an unprecedented move, but yes, it's necessary because the cost of college is so high. And as people who both attend a uh, high tuition college, I think we have to agree with that. Tuition yes, is absurdly tuition high. Is absurdly high, way too high. Um, now, does this necessarily solve the problem of tuition being too high? Well, sure, if you have a lot of student loan debt, it'll give you some relief in the meantime, in the short term. Well, why until, until interest gets up again. Well, not only that, but <laughs> are colleges just going to see it and say, like, oh, yeah, we're going to keep our rates the same? Or are they going to see, oh, well, now that there could be future Democratic administrations, maybe we can boost rates. Maybe we can eat, in, eat into some of that $10,000. If you put up a graph of college tuition over the past five decades or so and overlay it with the amount of government sub subsidies given to higher education, the two line up. Uh, what AI's Evolve Levin said is the more you subsidize something, the more of it you get. So the more you subsidize college tuition, the higher prices in college tuition you will get. This is part of the reason why college tuition is still high. It's because the government bails, it, uh, bails a lot of students out, pays for a lot of it, and instead of it going to the students, colleges just raise the rates. And they grow and eat more and more of that money, and that's how we get to a point where tuition is absurdly high. Yep. Um, oh, by the way, you have to pay taxes on these, on, on, on these, uh, on this forgiveness. Um, when they give you your ten grand, you're gonna have to pay taxes on it. Of course. Um, that's just a fun fact. Uh, um, well, that, that that was well said, Peter. Uh, do you have anything else to add before we move on? Um, no, I think I should let the blood vessel in my head that's about to pop just rest for a second. Well, um, I don't think you're gonna be uh, able to do that because we, oh, oh, we have a lot. Oh, we have a lot left on this on this list. Uh, so. Recently, you may have seen some very silly pictures uh, of, of Joe Biden um, standing on the White House lawn with red lights behind him, pounding on, on I, I was lectern. not aware Biden took an uh, ambassador trip to New Amsterdam, to the red light <laughs> district. Um, red light district. We can only... We, we wish. We wish, Peter. Um, so, Peter, go ahead. Well, Biden has done something that no politician, no leader has ever done before. He has named his political opponents enemies of state. He has said that his opponents are a threat to the very government that stands. Um, never been tried before by government leaders. You know, Julius sure? Caesar, Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, King George III. At Pick any... Our last uh, president. Leader. Our last president. <laughs> they, they would never do it. Oh, wait, wait, no. Um, so let's let's start off where Biden is right, um, because that will probably take the shortest. Um, he's right that, I mean, there was pretty much a coup d'etat. There was an insertion of, frankly, um, and this is something that I've said before, we 
totally could have taken that mob out. Um, I don't know why we didn't. It would have been... I, I mean, I guess I do understand why we didn't. It would have been very bloody. It would have been, it would have been quite the massacre um, <laughs> if we actually decided to defend our country. Um, but, but we didn't. Long story short, uh, and they didn't even get to guillotine the vice president. So, you know, I guess it was kind of a draw. Um, there's arguments for both sides. Sorry, not guillotining the pres- vice president. Um, arguments on both sides about the amount of threat uh, the Capitol Hill police should have uh, responded with. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'll admit that the, the uh, insurrectionist mob there was a threat to democracy. It's a bit ironic because in their view, in their twisted views, they think they thought that they were saving democracy. Um, because I, I'm willing to bet most of them actually thought that Trump was the elected leader and they're just so devoted to the cult of Trump, Trumpism that they actually of, believe that. A lot of articles that I read, um, there's, there's been polls recently uh, uh, put out. I forget I forget who, who it was that took the poll. But um, polls are suggesting that both sides increasingly feel that democracy is at risk, uh, except that they... Both think that the other side is the one putting democracy at risk. Exactly. Uh, and, and that's actually, <laughs> believe it or not, pretty unhealthy in a democracy. Um, but, but, but go on, Peter. I mean, I, I think that's exactly on point. Both sides think that the other side is ruining democracy, and, but that they, and only they, are the true saviors of democracy. So what does Biden do? He plays right into that. He labels his political opponents, and not just if he was just to say the mob on January six uh, is a threat to democracy. I, I'd be sympathetic to that argument, of course. Uh, I still think that the optics in a backlit red vision is just still bad. But I at least understand with that, um, even if it's not really relevant to the current time. But no, he said Donald Trump again. Fair enough. I'm willing to agree on that front. But MAGA Republicans. Um, I think it's fair to say I'm about as far off as MAGA Republican as uh, anyone of my views could be, but there's a lot of MAGA Republicans. You know how many of them stormed the Capitol or went to overthrow democracy in the sense Biden was talking about? A very, 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 very minimal portion of that. Uh, most of them are just either like Trump because he's entertaining or the uh, but he's a fighter uh, character uh, trait of him. Um, or they're just traditional Republicans who've been swept up by populism, um, or even think that they, Trump's the best option that we they, have. Or they, yeah, or or yeah, lesser of two evils. Save money on the tax cuts. There's, exactly. I know some people like that. Um, um, but it, and Biden very easily could have distinguished himself. He could distinguish the people who voted from Trump with the Proud Boys or Oath Keepers. No. What does he do? He goes in the opposite direction. He says anyone who's not voting for his policy agenda, um, if you're in favor of lowering taxes, if you're in fa- if you're uh, against the government uh, forcibly negotiating drug prices, pretty much if you don't agree on Biden's agenda, it's because you're an insurrectionist. Um, harsh, harsh words. It is. It is. And again, the bad optics with that, the timing of the midterms just right ahead. Uh, they were disgraceful, to say the least. Uh, and again, labeling your political opponents as very broadly, as la- pretty much labeling half the country as uh, a threat to democracy, is one of the most mob-like and populistic things you will see. And, and, and in many ways, it's essentially what our last president did as well. Exactly. Um, I don't want a repeat of, of, no. of uh, and especially, I, I don't, I don't need a repeat from, from this president. Um, I want to return to normalcy. I so. would love a return to normalcy. One thing that I find particularly interesting about this topic, not necessarily the speech and, you know, his hardline stance against MAGA Republicans and insurre- so-called insurrectionists and, um, you know, uh, you know, th- th- things on, on those lines. Um, that's all kind of dumb. I mean, I you know, yes, there's a point as far like Peter. I mean, we I don't have to rehash this. Peter already basically outlined the the idea that I also hold. But the thing that was so interesting to me is in so many articles I read, uh, people were characterizing this as such a crate, such a radical uh, turn from his like 
older bipartisan pro unity stance, um, which was silly to me because I don't feel that Biden has been particularly unifying. He's had some, he's made some statements about unification. He's talked about bipartisanship a little bit, um, and he, he, you know, he's talked about unity, uh, particularly in his inaugural address. Uh, but the fact is, that's pretty much all been rhetoric. Um, and, and as, you know, I'm borrowing from Peter here, um, I just came up with this. Uh, actions speak louder than words sometimes. And the fact is, his actions have not been wholly bipartisan um, or, or, you know, very unifying. He's essentially taken a, a very aggressive agenda and, like, rammed it down conservatives' throats pretty hard. Like, think about the amount of spending the Biden administration has done. And and you can talk about the amount of debt that Trump got us into as well, because he certainly did, and because there are absolutely plenty of, uh, you know, right-wing pro-government spending people right now. Um, but the fact is, all this spending... A, is so much spending, which many traditional conservatives already are, are not on board with. And B, is not for things that Republicans are really all that, all, all that enthusiastic about. Um, and the fact that there's been so many contentious congressional battles, um, you know, so many huge, huge bills that have been hitting the, you know, hitting the desk... Um, I, I don't think that this has been a very bipartisan, you know, unity-focused presidency at all. Uh, and I, I was honestly a little bit shocked to see so many publications and articles talking this way about the presidency. Um, because it's just, it just appears to me that this was not the case at, at anyway. Um, this doesn't, this isn't, I mean, well, in, in ways it is a bit of a deviation, but it's not a deviation because he was just such a team player you know, beforehand. Um, Peter, what say you? No, I think that's exactly right. I think this kind of a falsehood that Biden's a moderate that really took form during his 2020 presidential run. No one before really thought of Biden as a moderate. Um, he was a moderate compared to the other 2020 Democratic candidates, which include the likes of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Um, but Biden has never... I heard, I heard they were going to make it $40,000 in student loan debt. I, I heard some <laughs> of them just want to eliminate it entirely. Wow. Well, yeah, actually, that's, um, true. that's true. Yeah, so we're all lucky that's only 10,000. Anyway, um, throughout his entire career, Biden has moved a lot more progressive. But what he's done more than anything is pretty much stayed in the center of the Democratic Party. So where the median Democratic Party voter is in terms of policy, Biden's been there. Now I think he's maybe even moved a bit more progressive to that just because of the people he's surrounded, as I've previously uh, pointed out. But again here... Even if the idea was to allude, say, we did make bipartisan accomplishments that I'm signaling now not just all Republicans, but a small fraction of radical uh, extremists, well, then he did, he did have some successful bipartisan legislation. Um, the burn, burn pits for uh, yes. war victims. Sure. Uh, the uh, Computer Ships Act uh, that subsidized the, semiconductors. Yep. Uh, the bipartisan infrastructure deal. Massive, all three massive legislations the, uh, passed the by bipartisan gun, gun reforms. Gun reforms. So there has been a, a bit of a bipartisan agenda. Bipartisan, big bipartisan wins. Not one was even mentioned or alluded to in Biden's speech because that speech was not trying to bring people together. No, it was intentionally divisive. It was intentionally partisan, and it was pretty much one of the oldest political hacks tricks in, in the book. To just ostracize your political opponents as being anti-American. I mean, what it is is essentially the same thing as a. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you get these uh, Republican fundraising emails, but pretty much saying uh, Joe Biden, the Nancy uh, Pelosi, and the Marxists in the White House that are ruining ruining America with their socialist agenda. Which you know, again, maybe a shocker for anyone who's read or knows me at all. Not the biggest fan of Biden or Pelosi. They're not Marxists. They're not no. socialists. That it, not. It's, it's just ways of Republicans used to ostracize uh, their opponents. And Biden is using that exact same ploy, only from his authority as President of the United States. Uh, when Trump did it, hated it. When Trump did it with red lights, 
I'm sorry, when Biden does it with red lights in the background, I think that's awful, and I think, I hope that it ends up to Biden in the rear, uh, in the midterms. Um, thankfully for him, however, I don't think there was too many people who turned in to watch. I think a lot of people saw yeah. the image of his fists raised, like uh, Grandpa Simpson yelling at the clouds with the ominous red lights in the background. Um, but I'm willing to bet most people did not tune in to watch the speech. Um, I didn't. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, do, do you have any, 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 anything more you want to talk about on this, on this topic, I th- I think, this speech? I think I can probably hold me for no, now. No, your, 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 your rant was sufficient? You're good? I'm, I'm steam, satisfied. Steam has been let off? The steam has been let off. Okay, good, good, good. Um... All right, so 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 next up on our agenda is the Mar-a-Lago raid. While we're on, uh, um, I mean, sorry, the the Mar-a-Lago partisan witch hunt, uh, DOJ. Don't infult- even the FBI coup of infult- Mar-a-Lago. Infult- yeah, yeah, the infiltration of the the DOJ and the yeah. So anyway, um, essentially, uh, Mar-a-Lago has been raided for a long time. This was stumping a lot of people as to why this happened, why you know. We didn't know if there were any subpoenas. You know, we didn't we didn't see them go to court first at all. Um, so what what has essentially come out, and Peter, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, um, is that Trump took a lot of confidential documents to Mar-a-Lago uh, over the course of his presidency. Um, the DOJ requested them back. They gave back some of them. They said, "We have reason to believe that you have more. Can you please give us the rest of them?" Uh, Trump and his legal team said, uh, nope, we're all out. Uh, that's, that's all of it. That's all you're going to get. That's all we've got. Um, and they, they, I, I, there was a, there was a subpoena issued for them and they said, nope, we already gave you all of them. Uh, you know, why don't you get out of here? Uh, DOJ was not satisfied, uh, and raided Mar-a-Lago to retrieve the rest of them instead of taking him to court in what was, would probably have been a, long, drawn-out, contentious legal battle and, you know, essentially not very productive. So they decided to get them back because they didn't want them, those documents at risk. Um, and, and here we are. I, 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 that's, that's, that's basically what has happened. We, we raided it. They retrieved a lot of documents. There were genuinely hundreds, I believe. Right, Peter? Um, yeah, from what I've heard. Yeah. That- it's all on par. Um, and here we are. Peter, take it away. <laughs> um, well, I was initially, initially uh, very quiet about this. I mean, I, I guess I still am. I haven't talked about it too much. Mainly because, you know, I the FBI has done, like, a lot of bad things. But generally, as a government institution, I trust them until there's reason to doubt them. Mm, tr- trust it would be a strong word for me. Uh, I you know what? That's I fair. I don't like the government very much, but... but um, sure. As a libertarian can certainly uh, sympathize with that, but um, Merrick Garland gave the uh, thumbs up for that, and again, not a big Merrick Garland fan, but he was nominated for Supreme Court. I, I don't think he would have greenlit something that he knew would be a nothing burger. I think there was something there, and if all the information is true that Ethan just summarized, which again, I have no reason to doubt any of it's true, it all seems entirely believable, then yeah, no, I think it was justified. Um, and one of the main reasons is a lot of people would say, um, oh, how can you trust the FBI's word? Well, I don't only need to trust the FBI's word. I can just read this crazy statements Trump's putting out, which, again, are certainly crazy, but he's not, he's not refuting any of it. He's saying, oh, all the stolen classified documents I had were very safely stored. <laughs> we're, sa- we're safely stored and... They, there was a standing order that he uh, that they were declassified when when that yeah so he kind of which, had which which many people in his organization say they did not know was a standing order that existed yeah so um, not aware of this what may order. come as a shocker to many people who followed politics during the Trump administration Trump would often just make a weekend or even week trips to Mar-a-Lago um, and of course there he would take his work with him um, and because there's a lot of classified work there. Uh, he would just do, all right, everything in this box is declassified, bam, and snap the magical finger, and then suddenly documents become declassified, just like magically like that. And of course, a lot of the documents never made themselves back up, made their ways back up to D.C., but stayed in Mar-a-Lago, and, uh, which is why they were now raided. Uh, that was Bill Barr, who is the attorney general under 
for most uh, under Trump for most of his presidency. Um, he said, even if that's true, even if Trump did have a standing order where everything that left was declassified, if he just pointed to a box of classified uh, papers and said, these are all declassified, he argues that that's pretty much as bad as just stealing them outright. And the reason for that is there's no record of the specific documents that are declassified. And the president does not know the details of every paper in the box that's declassified. He has no, essentially no idea what he's declassified. Um... So it's, in that case, very reckless and uh, shows that Trump was, well, unfit for the presidency, um, which, again, is not, does not come as a surprise for me. Um, so based on that information, um, I, I think the raid was entirely justified. I think Merrick Garland made the right decision. Um, I honestly, I don't think the repercussions of allowing Trump to keep the documents would have been that bad, just the consequences of it. But I'm also happy they took him back, because I don't think that should be... I, I, I don't want classified uh, government documents in Mar-a-Lago. Um, that being said, the optics of it are also very bad. Seeing uh, the FBI raid Trump under a Democratic administration does not look good for the average American who does not pay that much attention to politics. You're already seeing this in 2024 GOP nomination uh, poll numbers where uh, DeSantis was starting to beat into the Trump poll numbers. Uh, Trump has now regained some of that ground, and the momentum is back in Trump's court. Even, frankly, for a little while, um, there were plenty of, of legal scholars that were like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this kind of was not so good that this happened. Um, and it, it, I think it turns out now that it seems to be like leaning in a more like, okay, this was probably justified situation. Um, uh, but yeah, for a while, there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, floating around about, about, you know, whether this was a, a giant FBI screw up or, or, or whether it was a, a justified and, and normal procedural path to take for, for them. Um, yes. and even, even against a, a former president. Yes, and it also empowers and invigorates a certain crowd on, I guess, the left, but also kind of the more of the extreme, never-Trump side that really, really, really not only wants Trump in jail, but believes that it's about to happen in the next hour. And that's pretty much existed since 2016. So it started with his tax returns, then Russiagate, the Mueller investigation, the first impeachment scandal, the second impeachment scandal. Mueller uh, visited my high school. Really? Yeah, he gave the uh, he gave the graduation speech. Well, when was that? In like like the year that he was called to have uh, the really? investigation. Yeah, they no had to way. Like That's pretty himself. cool. It was pretty incredible. He didn't talk about the investigation, but, but oh, he, damn. Did, he didn't give you insider. He he did not give us any insider info, but he did visit my high school and gave the commencement address, and it was pretty cool. Did he go there? Um, he had a, a granddaughter that was attending. Oh, that was graduating. Uh, that's how they. That's did how you, they did you know uh, Mueller's granddaughter? Um, no, I, I, I was, um, what, this was in 2016, so I was just a freshman and she was a senior, gotcha. I think. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I was just a freshman and she was a senior, uh, but he, he joined the investigation, um, and, and, and they actually, they actually had him booked to speak before he was asked to lead up the investigation, but mm -hmm. it turned out that way and then there was a lot of security and, and it was pretty incredible. It was pretty cool. Um, but, but sorry, that's just a small aside. Oh, that's, that's a cool story. I, I do know a bit about, uh, more. Um, and I don't, I, I don't think he was a Tabor alum. I'm pretty sure he wasn't. Gotcha. But, but neither here nor there. Go, go on, Pete. Well, um, yeah, where was I? Oh yeah, pretty much a lot of people want to see Trump in jail. And again, don't see Trump. Uh, I, whether he committed a crime is possible. Whether he committed a crime that earns himself in jail I've always seen this as doubtful. I've never ruled it out just because the Trump can never rule anything out. Uh, but so far, I've not seen the evidence there. Um, taking declassified government uh, documents is bad. But historically, it's not really rendered jail time. Uh, for a lot of people who've mishandled government documents, which seems like Trump did, or uh, even refused to disclose them, end up without jail time. Um, I guess with someone as big as a name and who held public office, Hillary Clinton, also mishandled government documents, of course, in her famous uh, email scandal. And tried to hide it. And tried to hide it. Um, 
and she didn't deserve. She didn't get jail time. And you know why? Well, I think uh, someone like Trump, Hillary Clinton, uh, was unfit to be president and mishandled that very, very poorly and should not hold any government documents. I don't. I don't think that was a crime um, that should have earned her jail time. And obviously, the uh, Department of Justice at the time agreed with that. And I think the same standard here should be a hold to Trump. Um, that being said, there's still more we don't know. Uh, is if more information leaks that does show there's crime and Trump should go to jail for that, then you know I'm always open to the idea. But just given the information we have right now, uh, it's, it's, it's not it's not warrant anything like that. Yet it doesn't help. Uh, it doesn't stop the all the left wing talk show hosts and uh, cable news programs from saying, oh. This is it. This is finally happening. This is the time Trump gets arrested. Bring out the cake. Bring out the, exactly with this cake that's been sitting out there since 2016. Um, so buy a new cake. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really have much to say. I think I think you've covered most of most of it. Um, any anything else? Pete? Uh, that's. I think that's it for Mar-a-Lago. Fantastic. Um, Let's talk a little bit. Corollary in that. Do not take home classified government documents. All righty. All righty. Um, all right. So you want to talk about... Uh, or you will get spanked by Missouri School District. <laughs> only, only Missouri. Only Missouri. Only Missouri. Don't worry, guys. You don't have to worry. Unless you're fine. You, none of you are going to get spanked by, by, by a Missourian teacher. Um, so, so, anyway. Uh, next topic. McConnell. Um, McConnell, so there is a uh, controversy in the Senate leadership fund. Um, So pretty much Peter Thiel, um, if anyone doesn't know, he's a Silicon Valley billionaire. He was the founder of PayPal. He he recently, uh, it was found out that he has billions of dollars in his Roth IRA. Uh, So he's going to be able to collect on that tax-free when he turns 65. Uh, which is pretty incredible. He is, um, I believe this accountant put it, uh, filthy rich. Um, he, he has a lot of money, and he, he earned a lot of it, founded PayPal. He was a very early investor in Facebook. Um, he's made himself prominent in the last few years as a very right-wing, uh, kind of populist, nationalist, uh, conservative. Um, he's, he's also gay, so kind of bridged that uh, demographic. Um, is he actually? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Oh, I had, really? I did not know no, that. No, he's made no, a I, big part of his, uh, like, legal I, I only, ideology. I only knew that he was rich. That's pretty cool. Good yeah. For, good for him. Yeah. Um, but pretty much, he's part of the movement that wants to transform uh, Republican leaders and candidates into much younger, more relatable candidates, which, you know what, I can I can definitely get on board with. Um, however, the candidates he's chosen in a lot of places, no, I don't think are so You better not be talking about my boy, Blake Masters. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, in Arizona... <laughs> Lake Masters, um, he was actually uh, Peter Thiel's student at Stanford when Peter Thiel was yeah. a professor at Stanford. Um, that's how they started knowing, uh, became familiar with each other. Uh, Lake Masters, until last year, was on some high-ranking position of the Thiel Corporation, um, and then he decided to run for Senate, and Thiel pretty much bolstered his campaign with a lot of money. Um, I was hoping that the uh, Arizona Secretary of State Mark Burnovich, who, very conservative, but also stood up to Trump's election denial. Uh, he was initially leading the polls, but then once Trump endorsed Blake Masters and absolutely ridiculed Burnovich for uh, not assisting in his coup, uh, then Blake Masters won the primary. So, Blake Masters won the Senate primary there. He has a lot of campaign ideas. I guess, politically... Economically, aligns with Josh Hawley, more of the nationalistic type, more uh, big government conservatism. Um, as of two days ago, he was very pro-life, 100% pro-life, until he wiped that completely from his campaign website and has kind of reframed himself as a only ban abortion in the last, in the third trimester, um, as he realized that that's not really popular in Arizona. Um, either way, my favorite part about Blake Masters is yes. when he went on a podcast and he was asked who the most underrated uh, political um, philosopher was. Oh no, I've not heard this yet. You've not heard this? Well, I his answer was Ted Kaczynski, uh, <laughs> and you know maybe he has a point because he probably is underrated because I think he's more known for for other things. I'm not sure. 
I, I know everybody knows the first sentence of the uh, Unabomber Manifesto, but I'm not sure how many people know past that. Um, the, uh, the fact that industrialism or, or, or the Industrial Revolution has consequences have been a disaster for the human race. Uh, everyone's heard that, I'm sure. But it's a lot longer than that. <laughs> um, um, and, and, you know, maybe he has a point. Maybe it's a little bit underrated of a political philosopher. But that is pretty funny to say during a podcast when you're running uh, for, for, uh, for any elected yeah, office for, for, for really anything. Yeah for, yeah, for really anything. But um, that was silly. Uh, that's my that's my favorite part about Blake Masters. Um, um, go on, Peter. Another Peter, Peter Keel candidate, whom I'm pretty sure we've talked about on this podcast before, uh, JD Vance. JD Vance. Well, yeah, yeah. Both both successful. Both successful. Um, uh, JD Vance is one Ohio. Um, you may know him as the author of Hillbilly Elegy. Um, he started out as a never Trumper and kind of reformed himself when he realized where the money and political aspirations lay. As a very Trumpist person, um, both these people are losing in polls or down in their polls. Um, in Arizona, Blake Masters is trailing uh, current senator and former astronaut Mark Kelly. In Ohio, uh, J.D. Vance is close, but still slightly trailing Tim Ryan, really? who, um, believe it or not, actually, he's a representative from Ohio, U.S. representative. He is one of the 28 people who ran for president in 2020. Um, I think he was in like, one of the debates. Um, he has recast himself as a very moderate and has gotten actually found success in sounding like a Republican. I think Politico reported that one donor, uh, Republican donors, was confused as why he's still hearing ads from Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance because he thought the Republican primary was over. Um, So Tim Ryan has done a very good job as recasting himself as a moderate, as a very uh, social conservative sounding, even if he's uh, not politically. He's actually one of the people uh, who, Ethan, you alluded to earlier, came out against the uh, student loan forgiveness program. He was one of the first politicians to say, I don't stand with this, I don't agree with this, I think it's bad policy. Um, either way, what has pretty much up until like a few weeks ago when a red wave has now turned out very, very poorly for Republicans. Republicans are trailing in swing states for the Senate race that, honestly, they could easily be losing. Um, and that's kind of got into a stare down uh, between Senate, between Did you Peter Thiel. winning? Sorry, yes, winning. Uh, between Peter Thiel, uh, Mitch McConnell, and Rick Scott. So it all started when uh, Mitch McConnell said in a statement, when asked about his goals, uh, or his, what he expects from midterms, he thinks, he pretty much said, he thinks the Republicans have good odds of taking the House, um, but thinks it's uncertain and unlikely that the Republicans can take back the Senate. And he specified that he thinks that the current Senate candidates for the Republicans are not of high caliber, uh, kind of cheap quality, and that, of course, is a liability for Republicans. Um, setting this not as a political matter, but just as an analytical uh, perspective. Um, of course, this pissed off a lot of people. Uh, Rick Scott, who heads up the National, uh, I don't know what exact, NR, National Senate Republican Committee, I think that's right, I could be getting that slightly off. Um, but pretty much, he's heads up the committee uh, of senators who's in charge of getting Winning more Republican seats in the Senate, uh, he pretty much disparaged McConnell's remarks. He said Republicans should not be uh, attacking Republicans' odds of taking the Senate or candidates. Um, and it's also put them in odds with Peter Thiel. Um, so Republicans are having a hard time fundraising this term, this election cycle, uh, despite what should have been good prospects. And that's kind of got him off into a standoff with Peter Thiel. So I'll start off with Mitch McConnell's perspective. Uh, Mitch McConnell thinks that they should use their uh, his super PACs funds and put them into races that Peter Thiel did not endorse or sway. Uh, places like New Hampshire, Nevada, Wisconsin, those type of states. Um, he wants to save the money there and thinks that Peter Thiel should back up his candidates, pretty much Peter Thiel hand-selected, and pretty much say, hey, you pretty much bought the primary for these guys. You should pretty much pay and bankroll uh, and support their general election efforts too. We can use our funds to put in more swing state areas. Of course, Mitch Connell is doing this because he thinks that uh, Blake Masters of Arizona, J.D. Vance of Ohio, that uh, these are going to be harder to win, and he thinks that their Republican money is better else 
better used elsewhere. Uh, and Peter Thiel disagrees. Peter Thiel says, no, I helped the Republican Party by putting in younger candidates, candidates, candidates who can better uh, relate to the broader electorate. Um, and, but I'm not paying, I'm not paying for uh, Republican candidates in the entire state, in two states. Um, I'm not pretty much going to be uh, subsidized half the Republican candidates. Um, so that's kind of given into a standoff right now where uh, Mitch McConnell has actually uh, withdrew, I think it was like $8 million in campaign ads for Blake Masters in Arizona. So pretty much leaving the Republican candidates in limbo. And, well, what is a cycle that I've said before should be turning out well for Republicans is pretty much turning out as a disaster in every aspect. Enough that McConnell is no, no longer very confident that Republicans are going to win the Senate. Yes, and as I said, got true. into his trouble in the first place. But again, for some candidates, Blake Masters initially ran on, I don't know if he's officially reversed his position yet, but he said he would vote out Mitch McConnell's majority leader. Um, so I can understand why Mitch McConnell is at least hesitant to fund his Support campaign. Him? Yes. Yeah, right. Yes. Um, anyway, it's not looking good for Republicans in the Senate. It's not looking for the House to cook political report. Uh, initially had Republicans' odds of taking the House as, I think, 97%, likely taking 30 to 40 seats. They've now reduced that to, I think, like 60% chance. Um, and taking back in, within the range of 10 to 20 seats. So, again, not looking good for Republicans in the primary. Um... Um, now we do have two other topics, but um, our Harris Dining Hall for dinner does close in uh, 23 minutes. So we may have to put a pin in it. So we're gonna, I'll put a pin in, in, in these next two. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll include it in our next podcast. Um, but, you know, again, thanks for listening. I, sh- I should have really said this in the beginning, but, you know, subscribe to The Contrarian. Oh, um, next you know. Time. Uh, look out for our articles. Subscribe or we will subscribe you. Subscribe or... <laughs> that's a threat. That's a threat. Um, so, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, you know, it, we really appreciate it. Look for the articles out there. Tell your friends about us. Uh, please, please, please write an article. Send it to Peter and I. We will help edit it. We'll help you write it. We'll help get it out there. We are you know, so want uh, more perspectives, more opinions. Uh, and... and in general, just more writing. Uh, of and, and podcasters will have yes, hopefully please. two new podcasts on the Contrarian soon enough. Um, we're also looking about getting uh, some con alumni uh, on bringing them on to College That's Connections right. to have some fun discussions. Um, Isaac Moskowitz, of course, uh, who was on our last two episodes of uh, Supreme Court discussions. I'm going to bring him on at some point to discuss them more. So there's a lot to look forward to with the Contrarian. We're just getting started, people. We're just getting started. So uh, until next time, um, peace out.